gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true blood, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever heard that phrase, you are what you eat? You are what you eat. That brings me way, way back to when I first learned about the food pyramid in like grade school. We learned about making healthy choices. The idea being that the better the food is that you put in your body, the better you and your body will feel. You are what you eat eat. And if that saying holds true, then not much has changed since middle school. That means I am mostly gummy bears and a little bit of coffee maybe now. That's new. But uh, other than that, not much has changed. I am what I, I eat. And I think about this little phrase every time I hear this particular text because we have Jesus saying to us some weird stuff today. I mean, the literal translation from Greek is I invite you to munch on my flesh and drink my blood that you may live. Ooh, it's kind of an uncomfortable thing. It's sort of a weird text. In fact, in my mind, it invokes images of, of vampires, of the walking dead, of the undead, right? But this isn't about death. In fact, this whole text is about living, living eternally, living a life abiding in Christ with the very Word of God made flesh, with Christ Himself. This idea of Jesus as the Word made flesh finds its origins much, much earlier in John's Gospel. Just 14 verses into the Gospel, we are introduced to this idea of incarnation. This idea that the Word has been made flesh. And I actually really have come to appreciate a particular translation of, of this 14th verse of the first chapter. The translation from the message reads like this. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Different, right? A little bit unique. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. In other words, Jesus is the word. Jesus lives in our neighborhood. Jesus is our neighbor. And today, Jesus, our neighbor, invites us to abide in him, invites us into relationship with him by eating him, by eating his flesh and by drinking his blood. He says, I will abide in you and you in me. 
And if we take seriously this invitation, and if we take seriously that idea that we are what we eat, then when we consume the very life of Christ, we become the body of Christ itself. We are what we eat. We eat the body of Christ, and therefore we are the body of Christ together. And we serve as the body of Christ in our neighborhoods. That's what Jesus did when he moved into the neighborhood, and that's what we do too. But Jesus, notice, never tells us during his time on earth that it's going to be easy. He never says it's easy to be the body of Christ. And if we look at what happens to his body, broken and poured out for us, we see that to be very true. His body is broken on the cross. It's not an easy existence that he experiences, and neither is it for us always as that embodiment either. And yet, through it all, we are certain of one thing, that Jesus abides in and with and through us. That Jesus, through those gifts of himself, offers us eternal life now and forever. And that eternal life promise, I think, is particularly important at a point in history when we are fighting to save lives, when we are fighting to care for our bodies in a time of pandemic, when we are fighting to care for the bodies of our neighbors, the well-being of those around us. And one of the things that I've realized in the last, what has it been, 45 years, 18 months, however long this has been going on, one of the things I've noticed is how neighborliness is not always easy and how neighborliness has changed over the last few months. Take, for example, how we refer to our neighbors, how we've begun to expand the definition of who and which neighbors are deemed essential by society. No longer is it a narrow cross-section of first responders, although they are extremely important in our communities. But now, we're putting the term essential onto bus drivers and grocery store workers, to teachers and countless others. How many of you have, drawn, have driven by a place lately and seen the Heroes Work Here signs? We see them all over because we've redefined what it means to be a hero. They're not the ones who wear capes always. Sometimes they're the ones who bag our groceries or educate our children. And while we've come to expand this definition and have a renewed appreciation, on the other hand, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see sometimes how we treat these heroes. It's disappointing to see school board meeting after school board meeting after school board meeting, not locally but across our country, that are divisive that end in shouting and anger and hatred. It's saddening to me that we're in this position, and I've been personally a part of it. And it's just disappointing, because what we're really trying to do is care for our heroes and the children that they serve, that they nurture, that they teach. It gets back to the complexity of being neighbors, of being community. I've been amazed at God's gift of scientific innovation, which has helped to save countless lives in the last 18 months. 
But at the same time, I'm disappointed how distrust and, and misinformation has turned public health into a political debate. This is about caring for our bodies, our fleshly beings. This isn't about politics. It's about doing what we need to do to protect ourselves and by extension, protect our neighbors who are a part of that very same body of Christ as well. I've been encouraged how it is in the last months and years that we've seen a renewed call for social justice for inclusion of people of different backgrounds, how we've seen the LGBTQ community be lifted up and our friends and persons of color are being lifted up and told that their lives matter. This is important work that we're doing, but it's sad because even though that's happening, we still see the division all around us. We still see that we live in a society that acts like justice is a scarce resource. There's only so much that can go around, and if I give some of my freedom away, I'm not going to have enough for myself anymore. And that is not how it works. Christ gives us enough freedom, enough justice, enough love for all of people throughout all of time. We act like it's this precious resource that if I help my neighbor, Somehow, I'm not going to have enough. But we fail to see at the same time that as Scripture reminds us, if one part of the body hurts, then the whole body hurts. See, in the beginning, the Word was made flesh, and the Word moved into the neighborhood. That Word made flesh this day promises us the gift of eternal life now and forever for all who choose to munch on this flesh and drink his blood, for all who choose to ingest his life, for all who choose to abide in him and he in them. And if we are what we eat, then we are the very body of Christ that abides in us, that abides in our communities. We are neighbors to all whom we encounter. And therefore, as neighbors, we have to learn to live in relationship with each other, even if we don't always agree, even if we don't always even like each other. Because the one thing that doesn't work is building fences to separate us from our neighbors, to try to ignore like they don't exist. It just doesn't work that way. So today, today we celebrate the Word made flesh. Today we will eat that flesh. We will drink that blood. Today we will be sent from this space into, literally, into our neighborhood. And I hope that when we do that, we take with us God's boundless love and grace and mercy that all may come to experience it and know that love in their lives. Thanks be to God for the Word made flesh and for the body of Christ here and in all places. Amen.